Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor, as well as my favorite app for purchasing tickets to sporting events, concerts, and whatever else. Download the free SeatGeek app, use promo code BS, and get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Every purchase backed by a 100% guarantee. It's the best and smartest way to buy tickets. Again, download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BS. Today's BS podcast episode is also sponsored by Bombas. Get rid of your crummy socks. Treat yourself to some super soft, durable, premium cotton socks that have been re-engineered to feel better and perform better. Treat yourself to Bombas. Their ankle sock even features a blister tap to protect your heels and keep your socks in place for ultimate comfort. Get them in black, navy, gray, and white. First-time customers get 25% off for four or more pairs. Go to bombas.com slash BS and enter code BSGET25. B-O-M-B-A-S dot com. Happy Friday the 13th. Wow. Whoa. From the streets of San Antonio, it's Joe House. (laughs) Well, look. Tomorrow night, Spurs Sixers. It's like I'm in D.C. I got to get to San Antonio for Spurs Sixers. Are you going to be in San Antonio for that game? I, I am going to be in San Antonio for that game. Oh, I, we'll have to get you tickets. I'm sure they'll be hard to get. <laughs> well, the, here's the conundrum. I haven't taken my kid to a basketball game yet. Should, should, that, should that be his first game? His first NBA game? See the best team of this century and see the worst team of the century? I think you have to. I think that sounds Maybe perfect. so. Um, House, it's a really intriguing NFL week. We're going to talk NBA because there's a lot of NBA stuff going on. So I want to rush through the NFL and do our best bets and then get to NBA because lots of stuff is happening in NBA. But really intriguing NFL week. Every week we make picks. We try to figure out five great bets to make. Uh, We're going to skip over these. I looked at your list. I made my own list. We're skipping over Rams minus seven at home against the Bears. I kind of like the Rams. Who do you like in that one? I like the uh, Bears just because it's seven. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a whole bunch of mid-range underdogs that Sal and I were talking about just betting every mid-range underdog money line and just grabbing all of them and trying to go like three for seven. But you have the Browns are getting five and a half in Pittsburgh. The Dolphins are getting six and a half in Philly. The Broncos are getting or laying five and a half to the Chiefs. Um, and then you have, you have the Bucks. Laying one and a half to Dallas. Yes, you only need a couple of those to hit to pay it off, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the Cowboys aren't a big underdog, but those are the five games that we aren't picking. I, I like the Steelers a little. I like the Dolphins a little. I have no idea what's going to happen in Broncos Chiefs because we don't know if Manning is healthy or not. And Cowboys right. Bucks. I I hope not to watch a minute of that game. Uh, <laughs> were were any of those? Did you think about taking any of those in this in our best bets? No. Uh, the only one that I paused on was that uh, St. Louis Bears one because St. Louis has a history of, of uh, not a great history at that seven or higher number. Yeah. But they already covered one line that high this year, um, so that's why I stayed away from it. I looked at the Steelers-Browns for a while because there's there's mounting evidence that the Browns might have quit on this season. And even the Landry Jones, Roethlisberger, even that major downgrade – it's still Pittsburgh at home. They they can still take care of business and take a lead and have their defense do things to Johnny Manziel. I looked at that one for a while, but I just didn't feel good about it. Let's talk. Yeah, about I'm the- I'm probably going to play the Browns in that one. Ooh, 
I, it just seems like they quit every at every halftime. <laughs> they play hard for a half and then they just good quit. For a half. Yeah, somebody <laughs> tell the Browns that it's a three-hour game. All right, here, here, let's go to our picks. You have uh, the Saints at Washington. Who do you like in this one? I actually like the D.C. Gruden's getting a point here. I like the home dog. I like New Orleans on the road uh, playing outdoors on grass. Mm-hmm. I like that the public has banged the hell out of uh, the Saints on this play. This is a classic pros versus Joes situation. Yeah. We have the Saints with over 80% of the action, but the money has been uh, 60% on the D.C. Gruden's. So that tells you that the Sharps are coming in and putting, playing, making big plays on the DCGs. Uh, I like the um, Saints' 31st-ranked defense uh, on, on grass going up against, you like that? <laughs> so that's my play, the DCGs. And the, and the, uh, the old skins, last couple weeks, they, they lost to the Falcons in OT. They got... They're butt kicked by the Jets, who have a very good defense. They beat the Bucks, who aren't very good. They had a bye week, so they won that one. And then they uh, they got their butts kicked by the Patriots. I'm with you. Against a bad defense, they they might actually move the ball. I almost took Washington in this. I stayed away, though, because I don't trust uh, your coach, and I don't trust your quarterback, and I didn't want to make it one of my best bets. Here's, what, here's who I do trust. The Oakland Raiders. They're laying three to the Vikings. I know I'm, I'm piling on the Vikings week after week after week. You really they, are. And they keep burning me. Uh, I, I just like the Raiders. I think their fans are fired up. I think they're in the wild card hunt. They, uh, I think they've been, other than week one, they got trashed by the Bengals at home. But then they beat Baltimore at home. They played the Broncos really well at home. Well, not really well, but they, they were in that game. And then, uh, and then they beat the Jets at home in something of an ass kicking. I, I, I kind of like them at home. I like the Super Bowl. What did Sal say? This was the Super Bowl Eleven rematch. <laughs> the Berman Uh I don't know. I like them. They, they have Minnesota this week. Then they're at Detroit and at Tennessee. Conceivably, they could be seven and four in three weeks with the Chiefs coming in. And then you watch Buffalo and the Jets. You watch Buffalo and the Jets last night, or were you traveling? I missed it. I was on an airplane. Yeah, I mean, they they were saying after like week seventeen, that might decide the wild card here. It's those teams aren't very good. The Raiders should be having ideas. I think this is a big game for them. They need to lay the smack down at home. I, it's not a must win for Minnesota going to the other conference on the road. You know, I I, I don't feel like. Uh, I don't feel this is like a do-or-die game for them. So I like Oakland minus three. I'm not going to take the other side of that. I like Oakland uh, at exactly that number at home. This is, I think it's an easy thing to say, this is the most important game they've played in five years, right? The Raiders? Yes. It's a good one. And And I guess for Minnesota, it's important just in the sense of they're now neck and neck with the Packers in the NFC North, and you don't want to lose ground on that, and they still play them twice. So it's not like it's not important to them, but well, we, the, if they the, could squander a game, this would be the game. You know, the, the stupid yeah, game in Oakland. And, and uh, Bridgewater's yeah. dinged, right? He's dinged. He got a concussion, so he's back. But you know, he's going to be a little concussiony. Yeah. All right. So you have uh, Green Bay, Detroit. Green Bay laying twelve at home 
uh, this is an official relax game. We're now in the relax stretch of the season for Aaron Rodgers. I'm guessing you like the Packers minus 12? As a matter of fact, I do. I, yeah. I thought you, you, you might have uh, anticipated me taking Detroit because there are a million contrarian plays that support Detroit here. Uh, I've reached the point in the season where I'm, I'm no longer taking crappy teams unless they're getting like 18 points. I'm, I'm done you know, looking on Sunday and seeing the Packers up by 21 in this game and saying, God damn it, why did I pick that awful team? In fact, you're going to see me in a minute. We'll get to Houston and Cincinnati also. I'm sick of it. I've had enough of these awful teams. Now, there is a ton of value on Detroit. Detroit, it opened at, at 13, and the pros came in and hammered that line all the way down to 11, 11 and a half. I guess it's back up to 12 now. But um, Aaron Rodgers has a sublime record coming off a loss when his next opponent is from his uh, own division, 13 and two, two straight up and against the spread. Green Bay has a dominant record in this series at home. I think the stat is like, 24 and 0 at home against Detroit and 17 5 and 2 against the spread. Yeah. That I mean that's 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 crazy. I tell you what. Everybody on the pro angle can have the the Detroit value. I'm taking the discount double check. Give me Aaron Rodgers. It's time to relax. And also they're 4 and 0 at home this year. We always forget about home road. You know, they lost two in yeah. a row. They lost in Denver and they lost in Carolina. They're a different team in Lambeau. I'm with you. I'm probably going to tease the Packers with somebody, and I don't know who that, this Sunday. The tease is great. I the 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 length of this line or the uh, the twelve scares me enough not to make it one of my top five. I do think that the Lions. Did you see the Stafford stat that if if they just lose every game the rest of the way, Stafford will be the worst quarterback since Archie Manning, basically, from a win-loss record standpoint. I did not see that, but yeah. it's very funny to me. Yeah. So you have him and you have uh, Fitzpatrick and a couple other, but it's very hard to start, like, you know, 80, 90 games and be minus 20 in those games. I, I'm with you. I if there was ever a week for you just look up and the Packers are up 21 or nothing with five minutes to go in the first quarter, this would be the week. Uh, you mentioned, let's just do Cincy Houston now since you mentioned that one. We both have this one. And I'm guessing you are also laying the 10 and a half with Cincinnati. I think Houston sucks. This to me seems like a gimme Monday night. There's no way the Bengals relax on a Monday night. Uh, they should be piling on. I can't imagine if Houston falls behind by 10, how they're going to move the ball. I have Cincy minus ten and a half, and you have the same. We are in violent agreement. That's Ooh, exactly violent. right. I like when we're in violent agreement. <laughs> There's a nice stat uh, for eight mil or greater teams. They are fifty-five and sixteen straight up through the rest of the season in in recent memory, mm. and thirty-three of those fifty-five wins are by ten or more points. So what you're kind of looking at here is: Do you think that Cincinnati can beat Houston by more than ten points? And I think they sure can. I love uh, the um, angle here. They've only <laughs> they've only won three of their last twenty two Monday night football games by more than ten. But hey, hey, it's time for them to get to number four. Yeah. I'm ready for it. You know, since he's going to be either one or a two seed, I'm guessing a two seed, unless the Pats something we just keep losing guys the rest of the way, and then the, since he'd be a one seed, but. 
you think like at the end of this year, Houston will be one of the five worst teams in the league since he will be either a one or a two seed. And we'll feel really dumb that we didn't lay more money down on Cincy on a Monday night against one of the five worst teams in the league. Yeah, I already feel dumb that I haven't laid enough money on, on Cincy through the balance of the year. They're good. Why wouldn't we just tease Green Bay and Cincy? Oh, it's it's just, it feels so obvious. But sometimes the obvious play is the right play. Mm. I have the Jaguars getting five and a half in Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore's just not good. It's not a good football team. Not a lot to play for anymore at this point for them. I know they can get fired up. We're home. We can. We're still in this. You're you're not in this. And I and I the thing I like about Jacksonville, they can actually move the ball. Like <laughs> Portals, Portals ends up at three hundred yards way more often than he doesn't at this point. I, Bortles isn't bad. I, I thought he was terrible last year, and this year I, you've, there's been market improvement. He's got a couple of receivers that can make plays. I like TJ Yeldon. I think at the very least it's a team that, if they were down by 11 with four minutes to go, could come down and get the uh, cover-breaking touchdown. But I actually think they can win this game outright. I really like the Jags plus 5.5. I, I do too. The reason that I didn't make it one of my best bets is because Baltimore um, has been – kind of a single play away from winning uh, just about every game they've been in this season. Yeah. Um, so I was worried about, you know, some kind of, something crazy happening late. The Jags are playing for the division title still. Yeah. I mean, they have to be excited because luck's out for we don't know how long. The Colts look terrible. The Jags right now are, let me see, they are 2-6. and six. And I have them as they've won one outright, they've lost three outright, and they've had four either-or games, including uh, the last two weeks. They beat Buffalo in London. That was an either-or game. And then last week, the Jets game, they easily could have won that game. So if they have, at Baltimore this week, they win this. They're home for Tennessee on Thursday night. I mean, that's kind of a game possibly for the division. Then home for San Diego, who has like five guys left that are healthy in the entire team. Yeah. And then they're at Tennessee. And then home for Indy, home for Atlanta, at New Orleans, at Houston. They do not play a playoff team for the rest of the way, basically, unless you think Atlanta is a playoff team. Or Indy, obviously. I mean, Indy, uh, by that point, might have luck back. But that could be for the division at that at that point. The Jags could go eight and eight, or nine and seven, or seven and nine, and all of those records could win the AFC South. That's a fact. The Colts are four and five. Colts go at it. They have bye week this week at Atlanta, home for Tampa, at Pittsburgh, at Jacksonville, home for Houston, at Miami, and then home for Tennessee. Man, it's, uh, it's, it's not hard. exactly a murderer's row. It's really not. It's hard to imagine. Hasselbeck is good. He's not bad. He is our age, yeah. though. He's an adequate backup quarterback. They're, they're 9-7 and seven probably takes that division. Yeah, and it'll probably be Indy. But I like the Jags in that game. Uh, all right, so you have Carolina is laying six to the Titans of Tennessee. And who do you like in this one? I like the Tennessee Titans. Mm, I did, too. I almost took them. The public all, are all over the Panthers. The Pan- there's a there's a really um, uh, kind of funny stat, and I didn't uh, I wasn't paying enough attention. Are you aware that both Carolina and New England have have 
played three consecutive home games yeah. leading into this week. Yeah. That that's a weird a weird kind of uh phenomena. Both teams undefeated coming off of three straight home games. There's a bunch of angles in that kind of situation that favor the underdog uh, Titans. I think this thing is for for Carolina the challenge is not to play down to the level of competition, but you know, Tennessee's a little got a little something. Yeah, they were frisky last year. A little bit week. chippy, a little frisky. Yeah, they can move the ball. Their coach was obviously terrible because they looked much better last week. And also, major letdown game potential. Because the it. Panthers had this emotional win over the Panther, over the Packers. They're, uh, they're 8-0. Feeling good. Atlanta sucks. They're going to win that division. The only reason I didn't take this game is because Tennessee put up six points against Houston in Week 8. They put up seven against Atlanta. They put up 10 against Miami, 13 against Buffalo. Now, different quarterback for some of those, but yeah, Carolina's got a good defense, and I'd like to see Tennessee put up points on a good defense before I took them as one of my five picks. That's the yeah, only this, reason. I, it's understandable. I, I'm not sure that I'm prepared to call uh, Carolina's defense good. I think they're they're pretty good, adequate. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Pretty they're, good. They have they have a couple playmakers. I like Josh Norman, like Keekley. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. The the Packers though. I didn't see. I didn't see what happened. I never saw how the Packers climbed back into that game because it was 37-14. We turned it. We turned it to a different TV. Well, they had first and goal to tie the game, and weren't able to convert the Packers with um, a chance to tie the game. Hey, house. Saturday, November. Hey, Bill. Tw- Saturday, November 21st. Yeah. Las Vegas, Nevada. What's Mi- happening? Miguel Cotto defends his WBC middleweight championship against Canelo Alvarez live on HBO Ooh. pay-per-view. And guess who's going? Me. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to be there. I'm part of the HBO family now. I'm, I'm there to you support are. the franchise. You can get ready for that fight with the Canelo Cotto 24-7 series that's running all month on HBO. And by the way, you don't need cable. You don't need satellite to watch HBO anymore. Just download the HBO Now app. Start your free one-month trial today. House, Cotto is the champ. Alvarez is a three-to-one favorite. How about that? Is Cotto the cheater? Um, No. Cotto was the one. He fought uh, Margarito, who cheated. Okay. And Margarito beat the hell out of him, and then it turned out it wasn't legit. And I, I was always amazed Cotto was able to come back from that because he took a beating in that fight. Um, no, I like Cotto. This will be a good one. All right. We're not positive. Not positive Canelo is good. I know he's good, but I'm not not positive he's really good. You know what I mean? I think I actually sure. think Cotto, three to one is a little high for me Uh-oh. on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm more excited for that than I don't think it's as one sided as that line. All right. The main event uh, Giants Pats. You did not pick this game. I did pick this I- game. The Patriots are giving seven and a half points in New York to the Giants, their nemesis, the team that beat them in Super Bowl 42 and Super Bowl 46, the team that has beaten them five of the last six times. No Deion Lewis for this game. Not sure about Sheard and uh, and Collins on the defense. The offensive line is in shambles, and it's just mix and match at this point. I'm scared of this game, and, and, if, and if I reverse jinx it, for the Patriots way, that's great. But this is too high. This line is too high. The Giants, 
they had a semblance of a pass rush, rush last week for the first time with JPP. They're going to be able to th- move the ball and throw the ball in the pats. They they have the Vereen thing, which you know he's going to come back to haunt the pats somehow, especially this is the first game without Deion Lewis. Eli's going to be confident. Their fans are going to be freaking crazy in this game. And mo- most important, they have a lot of confidence against the Pats. And not a lot of teams go play the Patriots and are like, we can beat these guys. We've done it. Let's do it. We know what to do against these guys. It feels like a close game, and I think the line's too high. And I'm going to take the Giants plus 7.5. How about that? I am right there with you. I, the number that I was seeing overnight was still 7. But I uh, made a note to myself, if it moves to 7.5, I'm on the Giants. It was 7.5 this morning. Then, then, and then that's the play. I take the Giants as well under those circumstances. The, the same trends that favor the underdog uh, against the spread um, in the Carolina-Tennessee tilt apply to this as well. The Pats are coming off of three straight home games. Yep. And for all the reasons you just said, the Giants love to play the Patriots. And I like the Giants at home in this one. The 7.5 feels delightful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that way as well. It's not one of my best bets, but I, I do like it. It feels like a playoff game. And uh, this is the game when I said this to Sal on Monday. This is the game where you you pull the cover off Gronk, you you drive him out of the garage, and you bring him out in the highway for this one. Like no more. Yeah, well, because he 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 was able to stay in the garage against the DC Grooves last week. He's every week. They they've been able to you know they drive they drive him around on the side streets to make sure the engine works, and occasionally they gun it up to like sixty on a side road, but they haven't brought him on the highway yet. And this is the game where you do it. I don't know what to make of the James White replacing Deion Lewis thing. I could just tell you, like some of my friends were making fun of me about Deion Lewis reacting like this was like this devastating thing. And it, first of all, the guy was electric when he had the ball. Like I, the defenses were afraid of him. You know, he, 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 when he was out there, it was just this different wrinkle that the Patriots have not had before. Like his, his yards per touch were way, way up there. And that includes the touchdown he dropped. He dropped like a 35 yard touchdown. He was wide open. But the, his but he, ability. He has like a crazy yards after catch, right? Yeah. His ability to, first of all, he could run the ball and make guys miss, which Vereen couldn't do last year and Ridley couldn't do. Um, and then Kevin Falk couldn't do that. They couldn't do that with Kevin Falk. They couldn't do that with any third down back they had. Um, he he was just as good as Vereen catching the ball out of the backfield. The other thing they were doing with him was just lining him up as a receiver where they would hide it and then they'd run him out. And if he had a linebacker or safety against him, he could just beat those guys deep. It was, it was a weapon. And they were just – he had gotten hurt after a couple games and he'd come back and he'd abdominal muscle or something. They were just figuring out how to use him. And from a ceiling standpoint, I think it lowers the ceiling for this team. I, I still think they can win the Super Bowl. I, I'm still feeling good, but it lowered the ceiling. And that and that's what people are missing with this. It's like when they lost Sammy Morris in 2007, it's like whatever. Sammy Morris, not a great running back. But the drop-off from him to Lawrence Maroney changed that season you know that the everyone remembers that offensive juggernaut the patriots were in 2007 but it was really a 10-week juggernaut thing and then after that they were a very good team but not the same offense and uh so my fear with this dean lewis thing is that it's going to change who they are a little bit and you remember like last year in the super bowl brady's down 10 how many catches did shane vereen have on those last two drives like a hundred I mean, 110, I think. Every time that, you know, 
There he was, security blanket, yet again. Oh, there's Shane Vereen again. Oh, another big catch by Shane Vereen. So who's that security blanket now going forward for this team? Is it James White? That's, is it somebody they haven't picked up yet? Is it Brandon? It's not going to be Brandon Bolden. I've watched Brandon Bolden for the last couple of years. It's not him. So who is it? What do they do? And that, and I'm nervous. So there you go. Uh, if you had gun to your head right now, who wins the Super Bowl? Patriots. Okay. Well, that made me feel better. Thanks, House. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I don't. There isn't anybody from the NFC that I think is playing at that level. Our last game, and then we're going to talk hoops. Seattle, laying three on a Sunday night against the Cardinals of Arizona. We both picked this game, and I think we might be against each other in this game. Who do you have? Oh, yeah. interesting. Who do you have? Why? Oh, Tell us. I'm taking Arizona. I love the points. Okay. Are we against each other? Yeah. I'm taking the Seahawks. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right, make your case. I'll make mine. Um, this, to me, is a basic who is the better team game. Seattle's 1-2 and two against the spread at home. Power rankings are all across the board have Arizona slightly ahead of Seattle. They're, you know, the the you know 1A, 1B <clears throat> right there with uh, Green Bay is 1C is the um, uh, NFC contenders. Carolina's, you know, a step ahead. Well, uh Carolina and then those three teams, I would say. And this is we, – we, we keep seeing this situation every week where the better – lately, the better team to me is, is getting points. We had it two weeks ago with the Broncos and Green Bay. We had it last week with Carolina and Green Bay. And I like Arizona coming into this situation getting some points. There is also this really stupid, uh, crazy stat. Bruce Arians is 15-1 and one against the spread. In his NFL career, uh, as a uh, dog of less than seven points, I mean that is a dumb stat. But fifteen and one, sit up and take notice. The Cuz also has the cards as one of his Sports Center picks. Oh, I love to be with the Cuz. I know. Well, and th- that's yet another reason why I like the Seahawks. <laughs> I, I think like four or five times a year, everybody decides that there's a really smart under the radar pick that that they're going against the grain and oh i flipped it and and i actually think sometimes you got to then flip it back the other way you have seattle at home they're favored by 3 seattle's 24 and 3 in their last 27 games at home since i, I think 2012 they're 24 and 3 and the cards are 11 and 9 with bruce arians as coach on the road the, card, the thing that people forget about the Cards, great home team, really reliable at home, and basically a 500 team on the road. And meanwhile, the Seahawks are an unbelievable home team and haven't you know been a little spotter in the road. But 24-3 and three speaks for itself. Yeah. This is the game of the year for them. They're 4-4. Four and four. The Cards are 6-2. and two. They play the Cards twice. They have to win this game. The Cards don't have to win this game. They're going to see Seattle and Arizona. I'm not saying they're not going to treat it like a playoff game, but from an urgency standpoint, this game just means more to Seattle. If they lose this game, they're four and five. They got to play the Cardinals in Arizona still, you know, and you, you might not make the playoffs at that point. Like here, here's the rest of their schedule. Um, they after Zona, they have uh oh, apparently the Cardinals fans hate when I say Zona. I'm sorry. 
It's like I went through a Frisco phase with San Francisco. And I apologize <laughs> yeah. for that, too. I'm going to try to get worse. rid of Zona. What's wrong with Zona? I don't know. They don't like it. I don't want to make right. the people from Zona unhappy. Uh, after the, after this, first of all, Seattle's in a stretch now where they had a bye week and then three straight home games, which you talked about before. That's a nice little stretch there. Four weeks at home. You, you, you're hanging out. You get to sleep in your bed. Yeah, you see you your family. See your girlfriend. See your mistress on the side. You're juggling oh both of them. Going to your favorite food places. Going to your favorite coffee place. Maybe your PD dealer. He's right there. He has a little something, something for you. It's just better Adderall. to be at home. Uh, so they have Zona, San Francisco. They're playing Frisco. They're going Zona, then Frisco. <laughs> and then uh, and then the Berg. Three straight at home. Zona, Frisco, and the Berg. Uh, and then so if they go two and one in that stretch, or, they're if, still right there in the mix, right? What if they go three and zero? Oh? Well, three and zero oh puts them right, right back in 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 the you know. Well, they're the going to be seat. they're going to be Frisco. So then they have the Steelers and uh, and Landry Jones in 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 Seattle. Oh, I'm not sure. There's this. It seems like Big Ben may be back. He's already got the walking boot off. I'm glad it's Friday the 13th because he's the real life Jason Voorhees. Like his foot, his foot bent 120 degrees in that in that game on Sunday. He might come back. That's unbelievable. He, what could you say? He's a big bitch. He's he, fantastic. He should he, wear a hockey mask. He should wear a hockey mask with scars and blood on it, like just to complete the Jason effect. So then they go uh, at Minnesota, at Baltimore Sunday night. Baltimore will be done for the season at that point. Home for Cleveland. They they quit two weeks ago. Home for the Rams at Arizona. Mm, that's not an easy schedule. Not an easy schedule. They need this game. They need this game. I just like the points. If it was one and a half or, so, or two, I would leave it alone. But three, I'm taking Zona. So if they lose this game, they'd have five losses. And they would know that they still have at Minnesota and at Arizona left. And home for the Rams. That won't be easy either. Plus the other ones we mentioned. I think this is a must win. I love laying the three. And uh, I believe in you, 12th man. Show me something. For God's sakes, I stopped drinking Starbucks for you people. <laughs> I heard that. I heard Why did you do that? I, it made me feel better to stop drinking Starbucks. I, I can't explain it. You know, the... the, the... The the Thunder left Seattle eight years ago, ten years ago, however long ago it was. You know, now was, you're going to start. Now you have the principal position. You know who always made me feel bad about it when I'm running him on LA Live is uh, Neil who? Everett. Oh really? See me at the Starbucks. He'd be like, "Oh man, you know that's the reason the Sonics left, right?" He just pointed to the <laughs> Starbucks cup, but I always feel terrible. But he's right. The guy who ran Starbucks sold the Sonics. To two guys from Oklahoma City who were trying to pretend they weren't going to immediately move the team. Oh, no, we're committed. Unbelievable. Uh, all right, so here are our picks again. You have the D.C. Gruden's one and a half at home against New Orleans. And you, you have uh, the Packers minus 12 against the Lions. And you have Tennessee plus six at Carolina. I have the Raiders minus three. Against Minnesota, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars plus five and a half at Baltimore, and I have the New York Gents plus seven and a half at home against the Pats. We both have Cincy minus ten and a half against the really shitty Texans, yeah. and then, 
And then we, we disagree. I love when we disagree. You have Arizona plus three. I have Seattle minus three. And we'll see. If Seattle loses this game, it's a borderline write-off. But you know what? This is right around the time when, when – didn't Seattle do this last year? It was right around here when they made their run last year. It really was. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a, it's a nice angle um, to, to, to play that narrative right now, starting now. I don't have any issue with it. It's just the three points. Here's the difference last year's team, this year's team, the O-line. The much yeah. maligned offensive line. But, man, they can't protect leads. And in the red zone, I forget all the all the stats, but they are pretty damning. Like, they just – they Lombardo Lomb, – I'm sorry, Lombardi always used to talk about uh, how Kyle Orton was a 2020 quarterback. He would just go between the 20s. But once he got past the 20, you're in trouble. And that's what the Seahawks team is this year. They're a 2020 team. Really good between the 20s. That's not where yep. you want to be if you're trying to win the Super Bowl. Um, That's why they're 4-4. Four and four. Hey, House. Thanksgiving hey, is coming up. If you're going yeah. to someone's house and they're going to cook yep. you a turkey with stuffing and mashed potatoes and yams and carrots everything else, why wouldn't you bring them a delicious porch pie? Oh, what a great idea. It's a southern delicacy that might change your life. Choose from buttermilk, chocolate chest, southern pecan, sweet potato. The possibilities are endless and delicious. And they even have a monthly pie club they will ship anywhere in the United States. If you're going to order a southern delicacy and it's not a human being that you're paying by the hour, oh, then no. do it with porchpies.com. Order pies from them. Southern delicacies, delicious. And by the way... We did one last week in, in, uh, in Robin, the lady that makes all the pies for porchpies.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sent us two pies. Who? Who's us? And they were little sampler things in one of them. There was one full buttermilk pie, and then there was one with the four the four mini pies. Have you ever seen the mini pies? No. No. Yeah. By the way, you said us. I live in Washington, <laughs> D.C. I, my, my, my mailbox is empty. <laughs> so... Send me a pie. I'll, I'll, play, I'll make a video of me eating a delicious porch pie. So there were mini pies, and uh, it was like one was like apple, and one was pecan, and one was buttermilk, and and uh, and our entire family turned into corn Julio. We were just mauling these pies. It was it was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> That's what they, they make you do. They're so good. They turn you into pie zombies. And then you go. It's all. It's a borderline diabetic coma afterwards. You really, like, I was just glazed over tr- watching football, but not really, and like I was yeah, hallucinating. Look, it was so good. It's what makes life worth living. Why, why bother living otherwise? Yeah, porchpies.com. All right, so the Warriors are now 10 and 0. Yes, they are. Not only and are they 10 and 0, but they've turned into a team that is starting to remind me a little bit of 86 Celtics, 96 Bulls, kind of. They just go in. The key to me with great basketball teams is when they go on the road and what their attitude is and how they handle it and how they embrace the performance aspect of it. We always talk about performance and art with basketball. There's a lot of great basketball players. Steph Curry now is entering that performance slash art zone where not only does he know that he's good, but but he's got a different attitude when he's at home versus on the road. On the road, he's like, oh, these are these are people here to see me, and I either come here one or two times a year, and I'm going to entertain you people. I'm going to give the people me. what they want. Yeah, I'm. Hello, people of Minnesota. My name is Stephen Curry, and I'm the best basketball player in the league right now. And I'm going to put yeah, on a so little show for you. Can 
stop on that note for a second? Yeah. This is one of the same things I wrote to myself this week. Let's yeah. have a very quick conversation about Steph Curry versus LeBron James as the best basketball basketball player in the world. Okay. <clears throat> what 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 is what is the argument for LeBron at this point? The only argument for LeBron is a ceiling argument that if he's going all in if it's like a game 7 and he's he's emptying the kitchen sink his ceiling is higher than Steph Curry but part of being wow. the best player in the league is day after day after day you're the best and Steph Curry is now the best offensive player in the league his defense is pretty good but the stuff he's doing offensively now is it's at a whole other level i mean we, this is like Nash won two MVPs and was not nearly as good as Steph Curry is right now. Oh, not even close. It's yeah. not even close. The, 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 I'm not prepared to concede that LBJ's ceiling when he's going, you know, all in, you know, tr- tr- trying to uh, w- win a game, that it's higher than Steph. If if we're inside a minute and I need a bucket, I'm taking Steph. And And the thing that's amazing is, He's he's cutting these teams' throats in like the first two minutes of the game. Like the game yesterday, they're up thirteen to two, and like a minute into the game, the second shot he took was like a thirty footer. I love the stat that they showed after last night. He already has four quarters this year of twenty or more points in a quarter. It's and what's scary, and this is this is why I think that you know Ernie jokingly brought up the seventy wins thing yesterday. It's not a joke. First of all, they're better than they were last year because Curry's better, um, Harrison Barnes is better, Azili has turned into a really valuable big guy, and they're and they're deep and they know each other. And the fact that Steve Kerr is not even involved and they're doing this to me is like this is just an engine now. They like they like you could coach the team tomorrow and they'd probably win by ten. Wow, um, I'd love to give it a try. It would be fun. You'd be a great coach. You'd you'd be very well dressed. Um, I worry about I you from an, how would you from an eating standpoint? That's like three hours where you wouldn't be able to eat. Yeah, that'd be fine. No, I would. I would really enjoy. I would savor the victory dinner afterwards. Oh, I would okay, save I up for the victory dinner. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, the the thing that the '86 Celtics, which I still think is the greatest team of all time, and if you never read my book, Book of Basketball, it's probably available for like fifty cents on eBay at this point. But the '86 Celtics went sixty-seven and fifteen. And then fifteen and three in the playoffs, but they were fifty and one at home. They put fifty one home games. They won all of them except for one game against Portland. But one of the things that made them special was they just killed everybody when it when uh you know, when it mattered and the games they would lose would be like the stupid games, like to the freaking bullets and the nets and the games where they just kinda lost concentration and forgot to show up. This Warriors team shows up for every game. You know, it doesn't matter. They're they're just out, and they're fine. And if the difference that they have versus what the '86 Celtics had is, if they're bored or if they're not totally feeling it or whatever, they'll just start shooting threes, and they kind of suck themselves into the game. You know what I mean? Like I would say, we're a little flat today. Up, oh, Steph just made a thirty-two footer. <laughs> now I'm excited to play basketball. And uh, the the effect that he's having on these games and on his teammates and just how great he is. It I gotta say, like. For from a point guard standpoint, it's it's basically you'd have to go back to magic, right? Oh, 
Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going back 30 years now for a point guard who has had this kind of effect you on can the only psyche talk of about a game. This stretch that he's in, in terms of the very best players to have ever played professional basketball and play the point guard position. Yeah. You, you have to talk about the very best guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my pyramid now. Um, but yeah, the best point guards of all time Magic, Oscar. Koozie, Kid, people like that. Do you have Isaiah in there? Isaiah. Well, I, I gotta look, yeah. I, I'm gonna forget somebody. That's why I'm looking up my pyramid. Okay. But uh, but like Isaiah and Steve Nash. Sure. Steve Nash won an MVP. Isaiah was the best player on two straight championship teams. Neither of those guys cut the guts out of teams night after night, like like Curry's doing right now. So I have, yeah, I have Oscar. I had Oscar at ten. I had Magic at four. I had uh, Kuzi at 21. Isaiah at 23. Stockton at 25. Stockton never could go to this level that, that Steph's going to right now. Iverson at 37. Game to game, Iverson couldn't get there. He was, wasn't even a point guard. Peyton. Um, my point is this doesn't happen. This is this is this is a rare thing that doesn't that's we're gonna see like every twenty five years where you see a point guard who just destroys other teams and everything he does makes his teammates better and puts them in a different frame of mind. And like I watched the beginning of last night because it was TNT and he was on the road and I just assumed he was gonna come out and just cut their throats in the first five minutes, which is what he did. You know? Yeah. And and then yeah. it's like Minnesota's guarding him with Andre Miller. And it reminded me of 30 years ago when, when some team would put some goofy white guy on Bird and he would get offended. Like Doug Collins sure. had that great story about the, the Cavs game when, or the Bulls game when uh, Collins started the game guarding him with Ben Paquette and Bird got that's mad right. and he was running by him yelling at him to, to switch him off. He made like five straight shots. But that's like what Curry's doing now. He's like, oh, really? You're going to guard me with Andre Miller? All right, I'm going to just I'm gonna score 10 straight points right now. I'm really mad about this. Seems like he's polite about it at least. Yeah, he's polite about it, but, um, and then the, you know we missed Maravich. We both of us were yeah, too right, young. right, right. We didn't grow up with them. But I feel like the Maravich stories resemble what I'm watching now with Curry and what you're watching. Um, so what am I missing? What, at what point? Well, this is the, the my question. It still feels like it's a bit of a small sample size. At what at what point does it go from being a small sample size to a to a genuine sample size? You know what I mean? So you're saying. How do we know that this just isn't a, a super duper hot streak? It's a, right. It's a so last season is a is a pretty good rejoinder to that. He had uh, astronomical numbers throughout the season, but not at this level. Not able to decide the outcome of games in the first quarter of the game. So he's and we're right. only eight or nine games in. This has to be one of the best ten game stretches anyone's ever had to start a season, right? So ten games, thirty three. Th- Point three points, five point three rebounds, five point six assists. So he's thirty three five and five every night. He's making five threes a game. In forty, making five. He's five for eleven from three every game. He's forty seven percent from from three. He's ninety three percent from the line. So right now he's a he's almost a fifty fifty ninety guy. He's a 53-47-93 right. yeah. guy. 
He's got to be. This could not have happened before. Right now, he's 33 5 and 5 with five threes. I don't think anybody's ever been 33 5 and 5 with two threes. I mean, 33, the 33 5 5 and 5 club? What the fuck is that? Did you know that could be a club? <laughs> Look at you. You, you, you're, you still got some of that rap report in you. 33 5 5 and 5? It's spectacular. I, did you so think delightful. that was conceivable? No, How no, about this? No, How about somebody making five threes a game? It's, it is inconceivable. So to, uh, again, I, I'm so disappointed. I was sure his PER was going to be like like uh, you know mid 40s. It's only 37.1 right now. Oh my god! Which <laughs> is that? That that's uh, I'm I'm almost speechless. That's his PER. Yeah, 37.12. I'm looking up uh, on Basketball Reference. They have. Thank you, Basketball Reference, by the way. Yeah, always thank you. You guys are the best. Uh, Yeah, single season PER, highest ever. Wilt Chamberlain, (laughs) (laughs) 31.8. And he had a 31.7. Jordan, 88, was 31.7. LeBron James was 31.67 in 2009, which was an amazing season. I still can't believe they didn't win the title. Well, I, that that's almost a thirty for thirty at that point. The '09 Magic. Yeah, sure. That, just them beating Cleveland. I I still can't believe that. It was six years ago. I'm still in shock. I still can't believe that happened. Um, and and SVG really got to give it up to SVG. Yeah, that, that that's not the only three letter acronym I would use for that uh for that upset. <laughs> There's another one that begins with P and ends in D. Uh, yeah. Steph Curry, thirty-seven point oh three. PR. It's just, I, I, I don't understand. Like, if you love basketball, I don't understand how you miss the Warriors at any point now. You know, like yeah. our friend, our friend Hershey, who works for the NBA, who hates when we name drop him ever because he always feels like uh, I, I don't know, I don't know why it freaks him out. We always talk about how annoying it is that in the '80s we can only see Magic like four times a year until the playoffs. Like just how much how much of Magic's career I missed like ninety nine point nine percent of Magic's career because I was in the East Coast and there wasn't really cable yet and then when cable came it was like one USA game a week and CBS barely showed Sunday Sunday games and that's it I just missed all these Magic games and now it's like you can watch this Warriors team is going to go for seventy wins and we're going to be able to see every single game you know like even the we're Bulls gonna, we are gonna, we're going to watch every single game. The Bulls in 96, I was not able to see every game. I saw some nope, of them. same deal. Yeah. Um, and, and I would also say I think the Warriors now are at the point where if they're in your hometown, you have to go see them. Oh, must, the you mustest of must-sees. The yeah, mustest. You, you have to go. Yes. The, at least until they cool off. And they might. Right. They might not cool off. I, they I might mean, not cool off. I wrote about 72 this. 72 and 10 is, you know, doesn't permit much in the way of a cool off. I wrote about this in my book, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plagiarize myself, but um, obviously I was there for the 86 Celts. I got to go to those games, or a lot of them. Um, I remember when the 96 Bulls came to town, what that was like and how different it was. I, did you see them? I the did. I saw them in Washington. Range? Yeah, you must have. It was, it was an event. It was an it event. It was hot in that joint. It was great. It was just 
it was the Jordan and Pippen combo watching the way they, it was like, at that point it was like Jordan had just cloned Pippen. He had just, basically they had taken his DNA and just made a six foot seven swingman, longer arm version of Jordan. And the way they moved together, it was like they were in sync and they would just destroy teams. And it didn't even yeah, matter. The who the tight. And then MJ took care of them. Yeah. And they was like, well, we need a rebounder. They go and they get Rodman. It didn't even matter who the other two teammates were. It was Jordan Pippa Rodman. It could have been me and you, and they probably would have won 60 games. Uh, so anyway, uh, the, the Warriors right now, like from, you know, they're only making 12 threes a game, which is, isn't outrageous. Like, like yeah, th- right, right. They're 12, they're 12 for 30 from three every day. They're shooting 40.8%. Um, Barnes isn't shooting that well from three. Which has hurt them. Draymond and Clay have been shooting pretty well. Um, Iggy looks. It's kind of relative to say what's what's hurting them. What, what was their close game so far this season? The closest game was that Clippers game, right? Yeah, and and you saw what happened in that game, and that's another thing that '86 Celtics and the '87 Lakers and the '96 Bulls could do is they could be getting beat for forty minutes and then just put together a four minute stretch and win the game, you know. Oh, this isn't our night. Oh, watch this. We're going to score 12 points in three minutes, and now we have the lead. And and you guys are rattled, and we know how to close. And then the other thing with them, because Curry's such a good free throw shooter, you know, if they have a three-point lead with 30 seconds left and they have the ball, the game's over. You know, it's like having Rivera. So I, uh, I'm, I'm just kicking myself. I'm so mad. We spent so much Why? time talking about what would happen with this season. And if we had had the, the conversation of, you know what would be a fun corner to be on? Is that the Warriors are going to be even better than they were last year. And that they're going to be mad that everyone called them lucky. And That, that would have been a fun corner. And that they got we a taste We both took the over. Yeah, we both took the over. We both liked them. I thought they were going to yeah. have one of the best two records in the league. But my thought was, I got too trapped on the whole thing where they were too lucky with not getting injured last year. And this year, that they'd have to pay the piper. And well, I don't, I don't want to jinx it. That's still a risk. Yeah, because it's really hard to stay healthy in the NBA. Yeah, the, the like way, two uh, whole seasons of of nobody important being out for an extended stretch, that would be fairly extraordinary, I think. I will say this, though. If they're going to be able to keep winning games by 15 to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 points and only play Steph like 33 minutes a game and, and basically not have to put a ton of miles on their dudes... That's uh, that's going to lend itself very nicely to the injury front. Here's who they have. Well, they do okay. an extraordinary job of of managing minutes. I don't think anybody on uh, the Warriors averaged more than 32 minutes uh, last year, and I think they're right around that same number. I think they were like targeting 30 this year. I thought I read somewhere. So a game. They play uh, the Nets of Brooklyn at home Saturday yeah. night. At home against Toronto on Tuesday. So that's 12 and 0. And then Thursday, November 19th, Golden State at the Los Angeles Clippers. Bill Simmons will be there. That'll be, oh, good for you. I got to figure out a way to get Tate. I got to get Tate in the building for that one. Tate, I got to get you in the building on that one. Tate just had an orgasm. He just, just, (laughs) it's terrible. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I don't know what to do, Hess. They need to be healthy. Tate just ejaculated on himself. I'm so scared. It's just me and him I'm in this not, room. I'm staying away from that. I don't, I'm it's not I'm pretending I'm not hearing awful. that. 
So then after that, let's say they get through the Clippers. Uh, Bulls at Denver. Lakers at Phoenix. Sacramento at... Oh, and then here's the road trip. Wow, so they could be... If they could get to 17-0, and 0, <laughs> going into this road, that's absurd. No, they're not going 17-0. But let's just say for fun. I don't I, think I, this will happen. Phoenix could be a little bit of a trappy game. I kind of like Phoenix now. I do, too. They're... they're Again, they because this they were this way last year too. A little bit of an attitude. I like it. Little, the two guards um, have have been very good. <laughs> They've been the, the Brandon Knight uh, Bledsoe combo have been very good. And we mocked a lot of what they did the last two years. Well, I, it, they they seem to be rudderless. <clears throat> well, I would agree with that. I will say, um, I was thinking about this yesterday I I think this is a really good year for the league and one of the things I like about it is even the non-contenders a lot of the teams have identities now right like I watch Phoenix they're built around those two guards they have guys with attitude like they're tough it's not you're not going to go into Phoenix and shove them around they're not you know they they they, there's something there I think they're a playoff team um, I do too. They're 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 going to take the New Orleans spot. That the New Orleans is not going to uh, reclaim when they get. Well, healthy. New Orleans, there's another spot New Orleans could grab potentially. It's going to be New Orleans versus Dallas. I watch Dallas. Dallas veteran team. You know, not great, but it's, veteran team. They know who they are. I, I liked how they uh, beat the Clips the other night. I, and that was a that was a veteran veteran win. team. I agree with you. Detroit, you, Drummond, and Jackson. That's their team now. I, I never I, thought I, we, Reggie Jackson would be a building block. Apparently he is. I'm still a little dubious. Drummond's a beast. And you watch Detroit now, it's like, oh, that's that team. And you go on we, down said, the line, we, we said it's the Dwight Howard, Jameer Nelson thing all over again. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a poor man. Not a homeless man, it's a poor man. The Knicks, who haven't an identity forever, it's Carmelo, but then the Zinger's just kind of in the mix now. He's... he's, he's He's uh, I, did you hear Rappaport? He was saying he was a Latvian gangbanger. Although he was calling him Latvian, <laughs> he was calling him Latvian. Yeah, I would urge <laughs> if people should. The Rappaport, Rappaport did an incredible one-hour podcast. He was in rare I, I, form. I can't recommend it enough. It's just for the Stickman story. The Stickman, he said he you told us. You got to get on that podcast for the Stickman story. Stickman was incredible. I, it was actually one of the rare times I've forwarded a podcast to a couple of friends to be like, just go to the 55-minute mark. you got to hear the Stickman story. <laughs> but you go down the I line. I'm sorry. Why were you cutting them off? Why? It seemed like you could have gone for two hours. There was a couple stories that didn't get told. What was the time restraint? Well, restraint? We, we took out like six minutes of his ESPN interrogating. Oh, uh, he tried to go. good for everybody. Tried to go deep. Yeah. I understand. It, it was just you not know, worth it. There's a reason, by the way, that... that, that um, you are expressing, you know, this uh, an affection for this uh, NBA season, and why I'm, you know, a thousand percent co-signing. The pace of play is incredible, and the Warriors get a ton of credit for it. Yeah. But it fits both of our eyes because we're going backwards to how we grew up with basketball in that golden era of the '80s, when you know pace was great and defense was a secondary consideration. Yes, and the difference. Now it's threes. Before it used to be post-play would set up open shots and there was a mood. The big guys would run. And that style was different. That style's gone. And now the threes and the pace and space has kind of yeah, replaced that, it. 
the, that era, you weren't allowed to hand check uh, the point guard. So the point guard could go run all over the floor with the ball and, and you know create shots that way. Is it fair to say? Can we can we officially say we have three terrible teams, and then there's a there's a drop to the next or, or drop up to the next group? Sure. I think Brooklyn, the Lakers, and Philly are just atrocious. There's the tr- three atrocious teams, and then after the that, Lakers you can make cases. The Lakers is because they don't have to be atrocious. They should be playing those kids. Who the Lakers? Yes. That's the only one that I really have, a, you know, a dispute with. I don't. I'm not disputing that they're awful, but I, 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 I don't like the, the the approach that they're taking so far. Well, they have a coach who's basically like an usher at the stadium who gets to coach the team. Is is basically like they gave an usher a clipboard, and then they have <laughs> they have young guys who are fun, combined with Kobe Bryant and. And uh, Roy Hibbert and all these people that don't fit in with the young, fun guys who should just be running around and running. And like the best thing Kobe could do for this team is just to pretend he's hurt. But he won't do that, right? He's not going to do he, that. He won't pretend. He, he's legitimately hurt. He's been playing 20 years. He can't play but once a week. And, and that's fine. He should be a player coach. He should be embracing it. I loved the scene of him giving some dap to to the zinger after they played the Knicks. If he's doing that with his own guys, building up the, those young guys and helping them understand what it means to be a player in this National Basketball Association, that's a cool role and he should that's the role that I'd like for him to embrace this year. Are you scared about the Wiz yet? Oh my god, are you kidding? Yeah, I'm 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 petrified. The the, the schedule so last season uh, I sent um, a basket of um, delicious fruits and chocolates to the NBA scheduling office because mm. they set up um, the Almost Bullets with a wonderful like first 20 to 25 games this season. Brutal uh, opening stretch, like yeah. you know, uh, four fifths of their teams uh, of the teams they're up against are our, our, our last year playoff teams, and um, this Wiz, the, the the Wiz team is going through a little bit of an identity change. They, they're trying to in, implement this pace and space, space and pace, and it has come at the expense of defense and turnovers. They, 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 the Washington professional basketball team had 50 turnovers in two games last week against the Celtics and the Hawks. That is not um, efficient basketball. Would you trade Nene and Beal for Boogie? Immediately. Without hesitation. Would you trade reservation or hesitation? Would you trade Nene and five first round picks for Boogie? Yes. Unprotected, all of them. Yes. This year, and then every two years from that point on through like 2022. Do it. That means I get Beal, Wall, Otto Porter, and Boogie. Yeah. All of whom are are, are under 25 years of age. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. So you trade yes, five. You trade five unprotected first round picks. That means ten. So every other year, you give up your your unprotected pick. So yeah. it, it essentially runs ten years because you can't have consecutive. That's true. So be sixteen, going. eighteen, twenty, twenty-two, and twenty-four unprotected for boogie. Yeah, I'm gonna have an unprotected affair with the boogie. Yes, <laughs> I would do it. You think that's risky? Um, if you're the Celtics. So you would trade the Brooklyn pick and David Lee's contract for Boogie. You would do that sight unseen. Of course. 
You wouldn't put any like top one protection on the pick anymore. No, no, unprotected. If you're the Kings, don't you have to do that? Bareback for Boogie. The Kings <laughs> have to do something dramatic. The best thing that they, they, they could do is figure out a way to get Vivek out of his majority controlling position. Because the instability, the organizational instability, is in, and how directly it, it translates into on the court just, just you know, Chaos. sham mockery. Well, what in the, I'm not going to rap report it, what is going on? Rondo played 48 minutes back-to-back nights. I know, and then I tweeted about it, and the Kings fans got mad at me. They're like, our backups what? are hurt. It's like, nobody should play 48 minutes in an NBA game. It's absolutely ludicrous. Come up with some sort of way to not do that. There's got to be a I mean, way. It, There's got to be any it, way to... The thing people don't understand is... There's three minute breaks at the end of the first quarter or the, near the end of the first quarter, near the end of the third quarter. It's a TV timeout. When it hits the three minute mark, the next time the ball stops, there has to be a timeout. That's when you, you, you can take your guy out there and he gets to sit through all that timeout all the way to the end of the quarter, all the yeah. way through and then bring him back. It's like, it's, it you gives know, him get, like 10 minutes of yeah. real life, real time rest. Yeah. And so you can play somebody 43 minutes. And it's basically 48 minutes. You just, they skipped out of the last two and a half minutes of the first and third quarters. That's fine. You're not going to lose a game because your point guard missed five minutes. But what you can do is you're putting miles on him that's going to get him hurt a week from now. And that's what people don't understand. It's clear that it's willful. It's intentional. It's not an accident. Well, you know what's and funny, though? Rondo looks good in these games. I mean, he really oh, looks wow. like old-school Rondo, except he's got the craziest look on his face at all times now. <laughs> and his body language... It, Rondo, right? It, it's almost like watching... You know, when you watch the U.S. Open in tennis, and every year there's one crazy tennis player, and you're like, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah. Oh, wacko. Why does he have that look on his face? We've never seen that in team basketball by a point guard. Yeah, who's who's the tennis player who said the thing to the other guy about his girlfriend? Yeah, that guy. That's the that that's guy. the current that crazy guy. guy. Yeah, he's the current crazy <laughs> I love guy. Love that guy. But Rondo, just a weird the dynamic on the Kings games are incredible watches because They're you incredible have, to watch. You boogie who might just give up at any time, just stop running back on D. He might make a face. He might show. Who knows what he's gonna do? He's so he's so unhappy and angry. And then you have Rondo, who's basically an alien at this point. He has no interaction with his teammates. And then you have George Carl, who's just sitting there with this look on his face, like, or standing there with this look on his face, like, oh, my God, what am I doing? (laughs) I I am just, it's like he knows. It's got to be. He knows. That's the 30 for 30. Somebody needs to go to George Carl right now and say, George, when you're done with this, you got to get a car. You got to get him signed up now. George, please start. Please be keeping notes of last season and this season, all the behind-the-scenes shit. It's got to be the craziest stuff in the history of the league. Well, if I was a minority owner and I had sunk money into this Kings team and I was watching what Vivek did to it, now the minority owners are apparently mad, but uh, and I'm watching this, I would be so mad. And there's Vivek with Drake, and then he brings Drake into the locker room after the game, and it's like, what are you doing? It, what are you it, doing? It's a, tra- a Sham mockery. It's so bad. And what's it's sad insulting. is, I don't know if Boogie is just a flat-out coach killer 
and a guy that I don't want on the Boston Celtics? Or is he somebody who would be awesome on the Boston Celtics and this should be dominating my thoughts? And I, every night when I fall asleep, I should be praying that today is the, the next day is the day when we trade for Boogie. I don't know how to feel anymore because you read like he had a tirade against his coach in the locker room. That's weird. Well, I don't I don't think it's that weird. It's it's the situation. The situation creates these these uh incomprehensible pressures um mainly on him because he is the best player. He's been the best player. He's the identified and identifiable franchise player for them for a franchise that that stinks like a shit sandwich. And and I think, you know, the the pressure is getting to him. George Carl can't visit any kind of normalcy into this, inject any kind of normalcy. The idea was right. Here's George Carl, an accomplished, uh, um, you know, yeah. guy who can help rewrite the, yeah. the book for a franchise that's mm. headed in, or, been headed in the wrong direction. He did in Seattle, did it in Denver. Yeah. Or, he, or the <laughs> most overrated coach of the last 20 years. You can go either well, way with George Carl. Uh, that, that's fine, but you can't deny the success that Seattle and, and Denver both had with him. Yeah, and then how badly it ended in both places and how, how the, uh, acrimonious it got and how many team chemistry issues there seems to be with him. That, that's Mwa- all Milwaukee, fine. The, same the, thing. The point is to flip the script. He's a, he can help you flip the script. This is now the fourth team that he's been on that he's coached. Seattle, Denver, um, Milwaukee, which everyone forget. He, the Ray Allen thing just completely blew up. I don't think Ray Allen's a bad guy. Why do Ray Allen hate George Carl? Why do all these guys hate George Carl after the fact? This is weird. They don't start off hating him, though. No, they don't. But at some point, I, I have to look at George Carl and wonder, is, is, is some of it's on you, right, buddy? You know? Well, we, we've seen the same thing with some other coaches. I mean, I, you yeah. know, I, I hate to ever say a bad word about your buddy, but Doug Collins had kind of a reputation of coming into situations, he helping guys, you know, resurrect, redirect. And then he burned himself out and burned them out. It was a three-year run with with Doug. Skiles is kind of the same story. Um, all I all I could tell you about this with Boogie because I watched that Detroit Sa- Sacramento second half very carefully, and he took it to Drummond. Like he won he, that that was a heavyweight fight, and Boogie won. The scorecard was like one sixteen to one oh nine. Boogie. You know why? Because he's one of the ten best players in the league. I know. Yeah, you're right. What am I thinking? Why? Yeah, of course we should give up the Brooklyn pick. What am I thinking? We should do it right now. What do you want, Sacramento? All right, here's my offer: Brooklyn pick, Sollinger and David Lee for Boogie. I'll do it right now. That's that's fair. That's a good trade. Right now. That's That's my that's my offer, Sacramento. Oh, you want me to throw in Terry Rozier? Okay. Can I I just have one thing? One one question to ask: Why is Jared Sollinger still fat? How can he still be fat? He's in good shape this year, and he's actually stolen minutes from David Lee and Amir Johnson. I'm a little worried well, he, about he, my team. My team's he breaking beat the hell out of the almost bullets, but <clears throat> we we have too many players. Your it's team. I, we've said we've been talking about this for three weeks now since the over under uh, pod. Mm-hmm. They're going to find the, the the right rotation and the right complementary um, set. Right? They're going to come up with. I, I I trust in Brad. All trust in Brad. It's never good in any sport to have too many players and not enough spots to play all the players. Even my so daughter's that's, youth that's, even my daughter's youth soccer team last year got ugly. Well, that's a it's a great problem to have though, because uh, unlike your daughter's soccer team, Boston could actually trade players. I know we have to make like a four for one. You know what's interesting? 
We have Minnesota's pick, which I think is like top 13 protected. Basically, if uh, if they're like the best non-playoff team or they make the playoff team, we get their first rounder. And then we have Dallas's pick that's top seven protected. But Dallas is pretty good. Like Dallas is going to be either 7-8 seed or just miss the cut. Yeah, they're going to win in the mid-40s probably. Or they're out, they'll be on pace to be in the mid-40s and then Dirk hurts his knee and something yeah, else happens. Yeah, somebody gets hurt and, then, and that'll, that'll drop them down. They'll tank it. And then we have the Brooklyn pick. And then we have our own pick. There's a world in which the Celtics could have four of the top 15 picks in next year's draft. <laughs> you want to live in that world. I know you do. You uh, just mentioned uh, Minnesota. I have one one um, issue with you. Yeah. I want to take up something with you in, in Minnesota. The criticism of Sam Mitchell feels to me a little unbecoming. It okay. feels, it's a little tone deaf. Okay. I, I know I don't, I don't come at you hard this way very often. But I love when you come at me. You know, <laughs> well, you're still cleaning up Tate. The, uh, the the game plan in Minnesota was not for Sam Mitchell to be the coach of, of this, this team. I mean, you know, I they know. had a game plan. It was a sound game plan. They had an architect that was, was there. The poor guy passed away. I'm with you. And so I think, you know, it's the a now sort of story. thing. Huh? I, I'm it's a with you. It's story, a horrible right? story. I think the right thing to be doing would be to be celebrating the success that Minnesota's having. And Minnesota themselves would have to be reassessing on the fly what they want to do about the, the organizational future. But it was pretty, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 it kind of undermined the game plan to have the main architect, you know, drop out of the picture. I'm with you one million percent. It's a terrible story. This was obviously an outcome nobody wanted. My only question is, you have Towns and you have Wiggins, who I would say are the best two building blocks on the same team that anyone has right now. And you could even argue going back to Durant and Westbrook in like the late 2000s for two young guys on the same team who are both studs and there's something here. At some point, we have to find these guys an awesome coach. So when is that? Maybe you get away with this year. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Um, but- yeah, we- Agree, agree. I, I think Minnesota concedes that Sam is is interim. It's not, you know, he's not permanent head coach. I think the the description of him is interim well, head coach. Well, can we get Sam some help right now? Can't we hire him like an old assistant coach to come in and kind of help him? Because, like, when, when you're putting Andre Miller on Steph Curry, I'm worried. Yeah, who, that that makes me nervous. That, that shouldn't be anything that happens ever. That's true. It just shouldn't. There, there has to be a better move than that. Um, I don't know. Where's Tibbs? Can't they pay Tibbs like five million bucks oh. to, to oh. for four months? I like that. I love that. If I'm Tibbs, don't I want to coach this team? How much fun would that be? All these kids. You're right. They should get through this year, make their mistakes, be a lottery team. You know, I I do think they're a playoff team though. If the, if if properly managed, they, they have the talent. They don't have the experience. They certainly have the talent. Towns is. We love it. All right, really so you're, exciting. Let's redo the draft and then we'll go. Go ahead. Towns still goes one. And Towns might be like a top 10 trade value guy at this point. It's still a little, little small sample size, but he is everything that people projected, anticipated he would be, which is super tough, great hands, soft touch around the basket, 
beast defensively. Reminds me of young Rashid if Rashid wasn't a complete maniac. <laughs> I like that. Like, I like, like that. Like Rashid 2.0 on a lot of medication. I think he's a hair stronger than Rashid. But remember how athletic young Rashid was? Oh, he, he could run the floor. God, terrific. They had Rashid Seaweb and Jawan Howard. Yep. They had all those three guys on the same team, and it was like That's for true. a year. Yep. But uh, Towns won. Lakers at two. There's no way they take Russell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Laker fans. You're not taking the. I know you can make every excuse possible for Russell. I'm still not against the Russell pick. I'm not giving up on Russell. But there's no way you don't take Okafor or Porzingis, or Porzingis after watching those two guys play. Or, or, or you, why not Moutier? Or Moutier. Yeah. Who would you take if you're the Lakers? You can redo the draft. Okafor. Yeah, I'd take I that. love the Randall-Okafor combo. I'd take the gangbanger from Lati- Lativia, <laughs> Kristaps Porzingis. All right, so the Sixers get whoever's left between or- Okafor and Porzingis, right? Oh, well, the Sixers should have taken Moutier. So if you're the Sixers, you would take Moutier over Porzingis? Yeah, I, I still would. Oh, I wouldn't do it's, that. I, I love the zinger. It's, it's terrific. Oh, I, no. I feel like the... Uh, this, the, the diversity of the skill set offensively is terrific. He, 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 he can't stay on the floor. His foul rate is still astronomical. And, and he's going to learn. That's fine. And he's in the very, very, very best situation for him being on the Knicks. They're just going to play him, which is awesome. I'm so happy about that. It's great. and It's really fun to see. I feel like there's a little bit of this uh, undercurrent of like, hey, here's a European player that wasn't a bust. He, he, he's not a big white stiff. Holy shit, the Zinger, the, the, the Zinger 2015. <laughs> all fair. I love the Zinger, though. I do, too. I love when I he mean, made I, the three. I, I that, had all the skepticism about him. I have no skepticism. <laughs> and I'm glad I was wrong. We did that Rapport podcast, and then that night, the Zinger made a game-winning three, but it was right after the clock. But I liked it. I know. He, he, he pulled out his big watermelon Lativian balls. And put them on the scores table and made a twenty-five footer to win the game, but it was like a split second too late. But I liked awesome his reaction. Too. Was not was surprised awesome. after. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, I'm I'm the zinger. Of course I." Made I that. love. He, he's so tall and 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 so comfortable from from range like that. Yeah, he really could be a a, a, a monster. And that's what I was saying on the on the Rapport podcast. The thing I love about him is even if you run out at him, he just shoots over you. What do you do? How do you stop the zinger? You can't. Got to foul him. I don't know how his free throws are. I'd give up the Brooklyn pick for him right now. Uh, sure. And then Moody Boston. So Moody at four. So that's your top four. And you could argue Okafor, Porzingis, Moody, but that that's clearly the top four in this draft. Yep. Five, I think, is Winslow. Sure. Yep. Really impressive. Still on Winslow. potential and what he's achieved. Right. Um. Then I think it's Winslow, Hazonia, and Russell in some order. Yeah, that's right. But I would have Winslow first. I think he's clearly the the, the defense alone. He's better at that than than uh, I love Hazonia. I think Russell's probably seven. It's it's you know it's Not a great. real TBD with Russell because of that shitty situation he's in in L.A. We have no idea what kind of player he's he's going to be still. You know who's not in the top seven? Willie Colley Stein. <laughs> Good job, Vladdy. <laughs> Who could have saw that one coming? 
He's a role player. They took, he, he could be good in, in his role, but you know, taking a role player inside the top ten is a tough one. <laughs> That's a little bit of a tough one. That's my professional assessment. Moutier over Willie Collestein probably should have happened. Probably should have happened. If, if you have the sixth pick, I'm going to guess that may, might have been the move. Or maybe Winslow. Uh, all right. Well, Joe House. Hey. Uh, it was great as always. Do I need Looking to, at the Riverwalk, thinking of Tim Duncan and, and Nerland's Noel. I need to send you some, uh, some porch pies. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'll take a video. And if it's any good, I'll send it. I'll post it on the Twitters. All right, thanks to HBO for sponsoring today's podcast and more importantly for giving me my own television show that launches next spring. Don't forget, we have a new podcast launching next week on the Bill Simmons Podcast Network. It's called Channel 33. It's going to feature The Watch with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald, TV. Uh, I think that's going to be twice a week or at least once a week. Juliet Lippman's reality TV takes, NBA Channel. NBA Chatter with Chris and Juliet, as sources say. We're going to call that podcast. The new and improved Andy Greenwald show. He's going to be doing interviews again. And uh, and some more surprises down the road. When do I get to hear about these surprises? Well, you'll, you'll hear about them I like all of this stuff. Uh, My podcast uh, uh, docket's getting filled up. Yeah. So you can subscribe to Channel 33 on SoundCloud right now. It will be available on iTunes this weekend, and we are launching it next week. More details to come on the Monday podcast. Thanks also to SeatGeek for sponsoring today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast. That's actually our presenting sponsor, as well as my favorite app for purchasing tickets to sporting events, concerts, and whatever else. Download the free SeatGeek app. Use promo code BS. Get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Joe House. Yeah. Um... Enjoy the river walk. I'm going to get out there. I spent a lot of time in San Diego, in San Antonio in uh, the 2013 and 14 finals. And uh, yeah. Oh, we remember that time we, we, we got a boat and we rode on the river walk? Yeah, this is where we're going to take my kid out on the boat. We're going to relive that experience. Oh, I thought you were kidding. You really genuinely brought your family to San Antonio? <laughs> my family is here in San Antonio. We're all here. Are you at gunpoint? <laughs> I don't want to discuss the circumstances, but it's true that my family is all here in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, you, your kid will love the boat. Do the boat. I know, I know. We already walked him down and showed him the, the, the river and some boats on it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Joe yeah. House. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Play us out, Tupac. We about this bitch. Anytime y'all want to see me again, rewind this track right here. Close your eyes. And picture me rolling.